Good evening. Welcome to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast, a podcast dedicated to giant monsters and Japanese fantasy. I am Kyle Bird. Matt Parnley. Um, and we are here um, uh, returning uh, to the podcast is Bob Johnson, who uh, is no stranger around these parts as he's had his hands in a lot of things going back decades, but I think uh, being a co-founder of Sci-Fi Japan and also host of the Planet 8 podcast is probably where a lot of people would would know him these days. Also, um, the recent commentary uh, for Arrow's Gamera the Brave disc and the old classic media Terror of Mechagodzilla disc. Um, and we have him back to talk about Godzilla Fest which is the largest film festival of Godzilla movies in the country. And welcome back, Bob. We're, we're happy to well, have you. Thanks. Thank you. And yeah, definitely don't forget Bay Area film events. That's more local, but uh, yeah, we are the ones putting on Godzilla Fest at the Balboa Theater in San Francisco. Yeah, and you've, uh, you've run... Uh, Bay Area film events for a while. This is something that typically you you prefer to do every year, <laughs> I think. Well, yeah, when we can. I mean, we've been doing Bay Area film events since uh, we did the Dynamation Celebration in 2003 and our first Godzilla Fest at the Castro Theater in 2004. That was like the whole week or whatever, right? Oh, God, we almost killed ourselves. <laughs> that was like... Uh, Seven days, I think we had like uh, 21 movies, and three guests from Japan, and two guests from LA, and local guests, and just a lot of crazy stuff. It was through the roof. In fact, I think it was Saturday night, we showed Mothra and Tokyo SOS, and we had Hiroshi Koizumi and Jerry Ito and Ed Keen there as guests. We had 950 people in the theater. <laughs> so that was mondo crazy. But the Balboa doesn't hold that many, but we still get good crowds there. Okay. Okay. Um. So you have a, stack, a stacked lineup of films. Would you mind taking us and just walking us through what you have playing during oh, the uh, – Well, we have two weekends. We have back-to-back -back Godzilla Fests. And we did just do one in May because that's when the theater opened. And they said, hey, wouldn't it be great to do Godzilla Fest on opening weekend? 
I said, sure, but then we'll still do it in August. And they said, okay, let's do two weekends. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, double the pleasure, double the fun, double the thrills. Um, the first one, we're calling it King Kong Crashes Godzilla Fest. And uh, our special guest for the first one will be Linda Miller from King Kong Escapes. So we're going to do sort of a combination of King Kong and Godzilla films throughout the weekend. Which is cool because we, we got an excuse to show a bunch of cool Kong movies. Uh, but we've got like Godzilla 54. I'm just kind of going down the schedule. So the films will be kind of out of date order here. But uh, we got Godzilla 54. We've got Kong Skull Island. Godzilla vs. Destroya. Uh, King Kong 1933. We've got uh, Son of Godzilla. The Green Slime. King Kong Escapes. Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. King Kong versus Godzilla, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, King Kong 1976, the Dino De Laurentiis one, which I'm kind of looking forward to because I haven't seen that on the big screen since, well, since 1976. <laughs> uh, what else is there? Uh, Space Godzilla, um, and Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla from '94, and yes, the Peter Jackson Kong. Kind of finish <laughs> off that weekend if you want to sit there for three hours. <laughs> for and, three more hours, yeah. <laughs> and figure out what you did all weekend. But uh, it's kind of like all the rest were in there except for King Kong Lives, so we might as well stick the Peter Jackson one in. King Kong Lives just isn't available anywhere as far as I can tell. Except oh, for poor King place. Kong Lives. Oh, I love man. King Kong Lives. <laughs> So yeah, that's that's King Kong versus Godzilla, or King Kong crashes Godzilla Fest, uh, legendary Godzilla Fest, which is the second weekend. That's August twenty seventh to the 29th. Uh, special guest that weekend will be T.J. Storm, who is the motion capture actor who played Godzilla in the legendary movies. So that weekend, we've got Godzilla two thousand, Godzilla, uh, legendary two thousand fourteen. Godzilla against Mechagodzilla 2002, uh, Godzilla Tokyo SOS, Godzilla vs. Megalon, Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster, Godzilla King of the Monsters, the Michael Doherty version, Godzilla vs. Kong, Terror of Mechagodzilla, close to my heart, Giant Monsters All-Out Attack, GMK, Godzilla against Megagirus, uh, invasion of the Astro Monster, which is what they're making us call Monster Zero. Boo. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Shin Go well, it's fun. I'll tell you a story in a minute. But Shin Godzilla, Godzilla Raids Again, and uh, Godzilla Final Wars. So, uh, yeah, the first weekend's kind of Kong and uh, the Heisei films. Second one is Kong and the Millennium films with a bunch of Showa stuff kind of sprinkled in between everything. But yeah, I had a friend of mine come and he's to the last one, and he's like, "Man, we bought a we bought tickets for this one movie, but I really, really wish you would have shown Godzilla versus a sea monster because my dad and I love that movie." I said, "We are. It's Saturday afternoon." He's like, "Where?" I go, "It's this one, Ebera Horror of the Deep." I'm like, what? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, Toho just doesn't get that. There's certain titles that everybody grew up with and they don't a lot of them you know, the casual fans they don't recognize a lot of these other titles yeah you know, they they recognize 
Gigantus the Fire Monster and not Godzilla Raids again, or Monster Zero and not Invasion of Astro Monsters, or Godzilla's Revenge and not, uh, you know, All Monsters Attack. So, I don't know. We should probably like subtitle the titles. Yeah. Why do I don't I don't why do they do that? Is it like a well, is, that, like is, is that similar to the thing where they don't they don't want those versions of the movies out? Well, yeah, that whole that whole thing is they just don't get. See, like in Japan, if you release something, you have to pay everybody again, right? Yeah. So, you know, with, with uh, like the Titra dubs, the only person alive from Titra is Corinne Orr, and she probably doesn't care. But <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't think so. There's nobody to pay, you know, and. And they signed their rights away when they first did it. You know, they got their paycheck when they did the dub, and they don't have any rights to claim to their voice going forward. So, you know, you don't have to pay licensing fees for all those old dubs. But, you know, it goes for Titra, the UPA dubs, or what have you. Yeah. But, you know. Um, even some of their, uh, their dubs, like the Gigan dub... And like the seventy, like the the, so what? What's is it? Gigan and Hedera Gigan, that are missing. Megalon. Well, Hedera was a uh, AIP dub. Yeah. But, then they, but they had an international dub that they were using for a long time. Well, see what what Toho would do is they would dub the film, whether it was you know Frontier or the voices from Hong Kong or whatever. They would they would dub it and then they'd sell it. So when AIP or UPA or whoever brought the movies over here, they'd have that original dub. And usually AIP would say, eh, I don't know, I don't like that dub. So then they'd go to Titra or whoever and get it redubbed. So actually the international dubs are the originals. But yeah. the redone versions by AIP and Titra, those are the ones that all us old timers grew up with and saw on the late show and the monster movie matinee and creature features and everything else. And that's the version that, you know. Yeah, well, I mean even me, I'm a 90s kid that that's what that's what I was always watching yeah. too. It's not until the 2000s that they well, really yeah, seemed to kind of a lot of those old VHS releases right. and stuff all had the original, you know, the the dubs we all know. Yeah. Um Yeah, that's that's frustrating. Um <laughs> well, what we tend to do at Godzilla Fest though, is the uh the matinees tend to be the dubbed versions, and then the uh, evening performances are the subtitled. Okay, Except yeah, for that makes sense. Stuff, they're all in English, but <clears throat> um, well, we're we're definitely going to get back to Godzilla Fest, but uh, you know, you you've uh, you've done some things here and there since since we last spoke with you back in 2019. Um, one of the big ones is the commentary that you did with Keith Aiken um, for Arrow's Gamera the Brave um, Blu-ray. Uh, how how did that come about? Well, you know, it's kind of funny because I think it was Matt Frank originally asked me if I wanted to do a commentary for, I think it was Gamera versus Gauss. And at the time, you know, pay wasn't great. And I would have to do all the editing and syncing up. And I'm like, man, that's a lot of money for, or that's a lot of time for not a lot of money. But, you know, you, you do this because you love it. But then again, I had the podcast going and I was trying to 
you know, ramp up the Godzilla Fest again and get Bay Area Film Events back up. And uh, so I kind of declined. And then Keith called and said, hey, I'm going to do the commentary for uh, Gamera the Brave. But he had nothing to record with and couldn't edit. So uh, as a favor to Keith, I said, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll do it with you. <laughs> so we sat here in the Monster Garage and uh, I had a couple microphones and my podcast set up and yeah, we recorded it. It was funny, really, because I told Keith, okay, I don't want to put a lot of time into this thing. So what we got to do is we got to do this like a podcast. So we'll, I'll put the movie on the screen because I've got like a seven-foot screen here in the Monster Garage and a projector. Like, I'll just play the movie and we talk like a podcast, just stream of consciousness. You can have some notes, you know, for some facts and figures, but, you know, let's try to do it you know, one or two takes or whatever. No, nope. nope. into my next, uh, question. What actually went into researching the, the film for, for the commentary? What was that process like, especially since uh, you were, <laughs> yeah, well, like I say, we, uh, my idea was to do it in one or two takes and we ended up, Keith would like do three lines and go, wait, wait, I want to redo this one. Oh, wait, wait, stop. I want to do that one. And so then we got into that mode and then it was like, I had, for a 90-minute movie, I think I had four and a half hours of editing to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so um, as far as research, there's not a lot on Gamma the Brave. You know, Some a lot of the of stuff it, you guys mentioned was, like, stuff, like all the stuff about, like, the manga and stuff like that. That was all new to me. Yeah, I mean, we did have to do some digging and some translating and some searching and, you know. Uh, well, obviously, we all have books and magazines and you know, the web, the internet. But um, yeah, I mean, there wasn't a lot of people to talk to about it. And I think we got enough to, to fill it. I don't think we had too many blank spots. But, no, it was uh, a really stellar commentary. Um, I know last time you talked about Toho having a pretty rigid process when you did the Terra Mechagodzilla commentary. Can you talk about how the experiences differ between that and working on, the, on Gamma of the Brave? Well, Gamma the Brave, we had pretty much carte blanche. We could say, well, I mean, you know, obviously we couldn't sit there and swear and whatever, but and we didn't want to sit there and and make fun of the movie or cut it down, which I really like Gamma the Brave, so I wouldn't do that anyway. But um, yeah, they really did not have any stipulations. They didn't make us submit a script ahead of time. Terramecha guys, we had to submit a script. Toho approved it, and we had to stick to that like word for word so a lot of uh terra mecha godzilla just sounds like we're sitting there reading scripts which we kind of are right right but uh, we were able to loosen up a little bit with gamma the brave and you know since i had a bunch of editing to do anyway you know we'd go back and kind of throw in a few things afterwards and then i'd have to shuffle them around and the hardest part about because i edit the planet eight podcast all the time and i'm getting pretty fast at it but the problem with this is you have to sync it up with mm -hmm. what's going on on screen. So uh, I was like taking notes the entire time, you know. I had the, uh, well, it wasn't time code. It was just time at the bottom of the screen. I turned the clock on or whatever. And uh, so I could write down, you know, we started talking about this at this time or we started talking about that at that time. And, you know, that way so I could sit, go back and, make sure that on the timeline when I'm audio editing that I had it all at the right times. And then 
then I had to go back and watch and kind of tweak it a little bit, but it's uh, definitely definitely a process. Yeah, well, it was good. I, I'm and I kind of getting back to what you said. Like, I I think you guys did justice to a movie that a lot of people just kind of like forget <laughs> it exists. Which it's one of my, I I in my opinion, it's one of the the best Gamera movies. Like, I really like the Brave. I. You know, it's too bad they didn't get to move forward with with any more. So, I mean, just to yeah. actually have people talk enthusiastically about it, as opposed to usually, which is nobody talking about it. Was... I love this movie. <laughs> no, I, it's a great children's film that adults can enjoy, basically. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's it's definitely you know slanted towards kids, but it can be enjoyed by all ages, basically. Yeah, somebody with uh, with the seven year old, I really appreciate that because like. That's exactly what that is. It has a lot of heart and super relatable, but also like sitting back and watching my son enjoy the movie and being able to see that through his eyes is always a really good experience. And I think it does it really well. And Zetus is cool. And I mean, I, I really enjoy the movie itself. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Zetus is like one of the best camera monsters right there. I mean, that one was, uh, he's pretty amazing. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't know that, I don't even know what. <laughs> the market for Gamera is anymore. I don't know that it's improved much since 2006. Uh, he's always kind of Godzilla's redheaded stepchild. Yeah. Right? One thing uh, in... in uh, know, I've got a soft spot for Gamera because I had turtles growing up and I actually have a desert tortoise in my backyard that I've had <laughs> 52 years. Oh my gosh. Wow. Year. So, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a tortoise. He looks more like Toto or Gamera from Gamera the Brave than he does, you know, the regular Gamera. It so will I, outlive all of us. He will. I told my daughter he's in the will. <laughs> can't give him away to a zoo or anything. Has yeah, to hang they, no, they, yeah, those, that, those things live to be absurdly, <laughs> absurdly old. Um, he's outlived like four dogs so far. <laughs> um, one thing you bring up, and I I don't know that you have an answer, but uh, it's something that nags everybody that watches that movie. You bring up the use of the 76 King Kong roar <clears throat> being used. One tidbit that I didn't know was that Media Blasters wanted to replace it with the Gamera roar when when they put it out here. Um, so that was an interesting piece of information. Yeah, I said no, but... Yeah, but, uh, but d why, why they used it, I'm not sure. That I know was, a lot yeah, that's the, what uh, I was going to ask, is like... Yeah, a lot of the people that worked on that film were not particularly Gamera fans. Yeah. And they were trying to do their own take on it. It's so interesting that they went I don't to, think like. They wanted to use the original Roar because they didn't want it, you know, to be like the original Gamera. Yeah. That's but a very strange decision. The King Kong Roar from 76, I have no idea. Th yeah, Unless it's even more baffling what they used instead. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, you can come to Godzilla Fest and see the 76 Kong with his 76 Roar. There you go, which uh, apparently is it, uh, is it Peter Cullen? Yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah. I, I, heard he, I heard he strained his vocal cords so bad that his throat started bleeding when he was doing that. Oh, the, the best thing to watch, and we just did a Planet 8 episode on it, was uh, Primal. Yeah, mm. yep. And uh, I think it's like Alexander Desplat. I think the guy who does the voice for uh, for Spear. Alexander Desplat is a composer. Uh, that's right. No, what's the guy's name that does? Uh, anyway, 
the guy who does the voice for uh, for Spear, they have a video on uh, like like behind the scenes video on the Blu-ray and also on YouTube, and they have a shot of him recording quote dialogue for the cartoon, and he's behind a, a microphone and just doing the, <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden he just starts going <laughs> like really loud, and you can see like his teeth and his tonsils and everything else, and then he gets done and goes, "How was that?" <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Google tells me that's Aaron La- LaPlante. That's it, Aaron LaPlante. Ah, there you go. We do these podcasts and I just forget it all. So I don't know. <laughs> we're, we're, we're studying Hitchcock for the next one. So I had to, I had to go past Primal and uh, and go on to Hitchcock. So Primal's, Primal's awesome, by the way. It's an incredible show. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's so great. I had, to, I had to kick Larry and Karen, my two uh, podcast partners, kicking and screaming into the world of Primal. I, I hope it, they enjoyed it. It like they had enough to talk about, so they wanted to add uh, Star Wars Bad Batch into the episode. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, that's like the kid who comes and pees in the pool, you know? That's exactly what that is. <laughs> um, so just out of curiosity, I mean, it sounds like, you know, you had a pretty short take with having the recording a couple sessions or whatever, but was there anything that didn't make the cut in the commentary that you might have included? Or were there any, any restrictions on things that... They're like, well, you know, I like this thing, but we have to cut it here. No, you know, I think we put just about everything we could into that commentary. I don't think there was too much left on the floor. Yeah, but that, I mean, I, I'm just, uh, Toho has to be so fr- frustrating, comparatively speaking. Just uh, the, the one thing I loved about the commentary was it's very conversational. It reminded me of the uh, John, uh, the, the thing commentary where um, John Carpenter's on there with Kurt Russell and they're, they're like pouring drinks and laughing and giggling. Yeah, we, we weren't like, drinking through the whole thing, but <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, no. I mean, it was like I say, it was a lot more fun. I mean, I love Terra Godzilla, but this was a whole lot more fun of an experience because we could sit here and do whatever we like. Yeah, and I think that comes through in the in the uh, the commentary in a good way. So, oh, good, thanks. Um, do do you uh, do you keep up with some of the other modern? stuff like you know the newer ultraman or common rider series or any of the new anime shows that are out there at all you know i am so far behind on common rider <laughs> i think the last one i watched was probably like blade yeah that was a while ago uh ultraman i'm keeping up with and uh and going back on now that mill creek's like releasing all the uh, blu-rays the, those uh, it's it's hard. I'm still. I think I'm in Taro. I'm in Taro still, but I've gotten right. like four, <laughs> four more sets since then. See, I've seen most of those in you know like old VHS tapes and however I got them before. But uh, no, it's nice to be able to just you know sit there and I think I'll watch a bunch of Leo now. Although the next next one is uh, the Ultraman, the animated one, and Ultraman eighty, which is one I was really looking forward to. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm bummed they're only giving that, uh, and I know they don't have the elements available, but the the DVD as opposed to Blu-ray. But that's one I've been really looking forward to. Yeah, you know, I was reading an article once about shows in the '80s and why a lot of them aren't on Blu-ray, and that was because earlier we're all on film. You know, they put them on film and then show them on TV. But with the, in the '80s, video became big, so they shot shot everything on video. And that's just 480p, and you can't really blow it up to HD, mm. let alone yeah. 4K. So, yeah, there's a lot of shows that are just kind of, they'll be out on DVD or movies that'll be out on DVD, but 
You know, they probably yeah. would not be. Because uh, I think the, the example they gave was that Star Trek and Next Generation were Blu-ray, and all the rest were out on DVD. Okay. So I yeah, don't know if that. I think um, I think Ultraman eighty. I think Super. I think that one might have been filmed because I think Super Aya. I think they might be in the middle of doing like some kind of restoration. Ultra, Ultraman eighty was the last Ultraman series that was on film. Yeah, but yeah, the the yeah. stuff from the nineties through the two thousands is probably going to look the, <laughs> the roughest. I would think. And, and I think I think they buried Ultraman Great and Ultraman Powered in a tomb somewhere. So yeah. I don't think it's coming out. <laughs> it's inter- It is interesting that. Um, that for that Gridman is a, on Blu-ray, and that's like oh, a very, yeah, yeah. that's like a very <laughs> cheap early video, <laughs> like kind of uh, looking but show. He was supposed to be, you know, a cyber hero and fighting all the computer viruses and things. But um, yeah, no, I love Gridman. Yeah, is there any anime stuff that you keep up on at all? Uh, you know, I have like. My uh, fiance Debbie, her daughter wants to get me into stuff, and a cousin of mine wants to get me into the, some of the newer stuff. I'm like really old school on the anime. Yeah. Although I did watch uh, uh, SSSS Gridman. I was gonna ask, yeah. did you watch Speaking the Gridman? Gridman? I really like that one. Yeah. Uh, I keep trying to get Bird to watch. Yeah, it. I haven't watched it yet. It's it's good. It's really good. Yeah. And, and you know the the Netflix Ultraman movies. The animated ones, they're okay. I read the comics, so I kind of knew what to expect. Um, the Godzilla animation, I just... The three Netflix movies, you know, Planet of Monsters and all. God, they just I put didn't me like... Yeah, didn't we like hated those. those. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny, because when I was watching the... I watched each one once. I, I figure, okay, I at least have to watch once. During the third one, I was on the phone with, with Kevin D'Antonio, a friend of mine. And... The battle came up between Godzilla and Ghidra. Is that what you want to call it? <laughs> and I, well, I told him, I go, you know, Godzilla and Ghidra have been fighting for about 15 minutes now, and neither one has moved. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's accurate. That's, yeah. that's extremely yeah. accurate. And then, you know, Singular Point was better. A little too much techno babble, but I was okay with it. Up until Jet Jaguar got his reboot. Oh, I love see. I, and then he I'm starts about talking about the like baby, and it's like, oh no, what, what are they doing? I I had a real soft spot soft spot for uh, Jet Jaguar's existential crisis. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it would have been cool if they just didn't give him that voice. I yeah, I, I follow. I'm. I understand what you're saying. Even like a robotic voice, the real simple, you know, stilted dialogue or something. But um, yeah, it was just it was just trying to be too cutesy and and lost me at that point. <laughs> Anime uh, does that. <laughs> it, yeah, that is. That is well, glad. Yeah, that's, pro- that's probably why I'm sticking with uh, some of the older stuff. Even something well, as grim as like too, even Gellion has a little penguin roommate and. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah, the the newer uh, Loop on the Third series, those are good. Seasons four and five are really good. Uh, Loop on the Third, the first, the movie that was like the CG film, love that. So yeah, I can still watch Loop on, but I don't know. I'm trying to think what else. Well, there's also out. just so much content. <laughs> yeah. The Zinger Z Infinity, I thought was really good. I've heard good things about that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I definitely would recommend that. Have you checked out uh, the sequel to Gridman, uh, Dinah Zenon? I just no, came out I, recently. I haven't yet. Yeah. Um, but I'm just honestly, I'm glad to hear another proponent for Gridman. I, I love that show. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. Was, uh, uh, so let's catch up about Godzilla. I, Fest I even have it on DVD as Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. Oh, yeah. That, that's the show that I watched when I was a kid. So <laughs> Here's a Cyber Squad story for you. TV 20 in the Bay Area, they were the ones showing it at the time. And they had these dog spots where they'd have people's dogs sitting on a couch. And they'd go, you know, TV 20, and they'd smack a board or whatever. So the dog would, like, look to the left, and the TV 20 logo would pop up. So I had a dog at the time. I thought, well... I'm going to try to get my dog on there. And there was like a one-year waiting list to get your dog on the TV. So at the time, Subaraya had their L.A. office, Ultracom, going. And we were doing a bunch of stuff with Ultracom. So I uh, called Kate McMains and I said, hey, do you have a Cyber Squad t-shirt somewhere, anywhere? And she sent me one. And I pinned it on my dog and I had a like a 16, 18-foot, foot, inch Gridman figure, so I put that next to her, and took a picture, and then I sent it into the station. So about a week later, I called up and said, "Hey, I just wanted to see if you got my dog uh, picture." And the guy's like, "Well, we got hundreds of them, and you know we're way backlogged." And I go, "Yeah, it was the one where she's wearing the cyber superhuman samurai cyber squad T-shirt." And he's like, "Wait, wait, I got it on my desk. Can you come in next week?" <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to get to get picked up and she did the tv 20 spot in her cyber squad t-shirt and i had the figure sitting there on their tv that's pretty but, yeah it was funny because they'd always show them at random times but i at least knew that she was definitely going to be on before each episode of cyber squad for the two weeks or whatever that they ran it that's pretty sweet did you uh were you able to like tape those and, and save them yeah i have it somewhere I put it I, every once in a while. It shows up on my Facebook feed, and I'll throw it up again. Oh, nice! Um, so I want to pivot back to Godzilla Fest real quick. So I, the last one was what 2019. Um, how did that go? Were there anything that was there anything that didn't go as planned? Were there any challenges? Because I I don't think for like our audience, people realize how much work goes into putting the events on. It went gangbusters, but you know, there's always like unexpected things that pop up. Um, we you know we had a guest. We had Michael Doherty as our guest. And uh, at maybe like the day before the show, I get a call that TJ Storm wanted to come up. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And he just kind of came up and hung out. And I was going to have him like come up on stage with with Doherty during Godzilla King of the Monsters. And Doherty was like, well, this is just my segment, right? I'm like, oh, (laughs) yeah, yeah, that's right. I brought so I brought TJ up after, but mm-hmm. but he's great because he te- he treats everybody like they're his best friend, and he hasn't seen in months. You know, hey, how you doing? Uh, you know, taking pictures and posing and all that. So we told him this year. Well, it was supposed to be last year, but it turned out to be this year. We'd bring him back as the guest, and he wouldn't have to you know come up on his own dime and spend his own money. So oh. and uh, so yeah, so he'll be here. That'll be great. Um, and yeah, just, it's funny because you look at Facebook and all this and you see all these people just hating on King of the Monsters. And, you know, we had Doherty there on a Saturday night and the theater was full 
and everyone just loved it cheering clapping you know after it was over standing ovation and he got pretty much mobbed in the lobby of people asking for autographs and taking pictures and stuff and you know it was just a great experience and and i think that's the big thing about that's what our whole bay area film events is about is seeing these things in a movie theater with like-minded fans and just having that experience and there's like nothing like it i mean you can be in a in your living room with four or five friends and all cheering for something but you know you get 100 200 people together and it's a whole lot better um well yeah especially and and i mean having like the director there and you know having actors there i mean that's always kind of like a special experience yeah. Well, you know, it's it's really fun when like like our first Godzilla Fest, we had Hiroshi Hiroshi Koizumi there, and here's all these actors that we had. We had Akira Kubo and we had Russ Tamlin and Jerry Ito, and on the screen they're all young, and then they get up on stage and they're old. It's like, okay, is this really? <laughs> is this really him? You know, we had one guy, uh, Yuki, who used to work at Kimono My House here. And he was he was older, and I used to tell him, "Oh, we're going to bring you into one of our shows and just tell people you were a special effects guy in the '60s at Toho and whatever." You know, no one's going to know. But uh, but Hiroshi Koizumi, though he, he there he was on stage, and we showed Tokyo SOS, and you know he had just that was like it was only like less than a year old when we showed it, so he looked exactly like he did on screen, and so uh, I think that carries a lot more of an impact. Same with Michael Doherty, it's like. You know, you see him in interviews for the movie and things, and then he's on stage, and he, hey, that's him. I know. I saw him. He looks just like that two days ago on the internet. So, uh, TJ Storm is the same. Yeah. So, it's always fun. But then again, you get actors and directors who are working, and they can't always make it because they have to work. You, know, you get someone like Linda Miller, and uh, she goes to these shows, so that's what she does. So, She's Stone Cold Lock. Yeah. <laughs> TJ, he's in, TJ's in Budapest right now shooting a movie. Mm. And he was like, oh, man, I hope, I'm in back, I hope I'm back in time. I hope I'm back in time. And they let us know he'll be back on the 17th, so plenty of time. But, um, but yeah, we had contacted one guest for, uh, for our legendary Godzilla Fest, and that would be Adam Wingard, who said he really wanted to come, but... He's neck deep oh, in yeah. right now, and he's like just way too yeah. busy. Couldn't I think he play. he's he's attached to like seventy things. I I think he's doing the the new Face Off movie right now, but yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I feel like every day I wake up and it's like Adam Wingard's doing this. It's like okay, yeah. I mean, basically it was like, well, if I, if I can find some time to break away, I'll stop by. But, <laughs> you know, I'd say you know ten percent chance maybe you'll see an Adam Wingard yeah. more be a hell of a surprise yeah <laughs> some a couple people swore they saw dave filoni at the uh, last godzilla fest when doherty was there i feel like i might have seen like he was like walking around i feel and, like i might yeah. have seen something like that on like facebook or something it wouldn't surprise me because he's like a freaking godzilla maniac but he, he, he was on. He Kyle uh, had he, Yount had him on Kaiju Cast at one point, even. Oh. Yeah, so uh, he was probably there. 
Maybe maybe he'll come to this one. I don't know. <laughs> Depends on how we get the word out. Yeah. In 2019, there wasn't any pandemic or anything, so we had cards out down at Monster Palooza and all these other shows. I mean, he could have, you know, snagged a card at Monster Palooza and said, "Hey, this is kind of cool. I'll go up." Um, well, speaking of the pandemic, um, you know, we're friends on Facebook, so I I I, I remember, you know. Uh, when you know things were starting to loosen up and you know getting getting film screenings going again and and you know you posting about it but just i mean how did you know bay area film events how did you guys navigate through the that initial outbreak you know what were the what were the biggest frustrations and challenges of i guess having to deal with (laughs) deal with that well we had three shows scheduled last year the first one was uh our Animazing Weekend. We were showing a whole weekend of anime. And yeah, all the new stuff. I wasn't the one that programmed it, but yeah, we had all new stuff. And uh, then we had Godzilla Fest scheduled for August. And then around November, we had what we called a Thingathon, which we were going to show all three Thing movies. And about two to three days before the Animazing Weekend, San Francisco just shut down. Mm. All theaters, all restaurants, everything. Tight. So we had to cancel that like three days before the show. And then, of course, Godzilla Fest didn't happen because it was still closed. And the Thingathon didn't happen because it was still closed. And I said the, the Balboa opened May of this year. And that's when uh, Adam uh, Bergeron, who owns the theater, said, Let's do Godzilla! Because it, it was always a big hit there. So we sort of had a little bonus Godzilla Fest. But we only had like 50% capacity. And we had to do all the social distancing mm-hmm. and everything else. And right now, we're probably going to have to have everybody mask up for these two weekends coming up. It's getting there again, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really... I watch the news like every day because I want to make sure that suddenly the mayor of San Francisco doesn't say, Oh, we're closing up again. But so far we're looking good. But uh, I think I think the politicians, especially Newsom, since he's up for uh, up for recall, they're all paranoid about doing anything to that extreme. Yeah. So I think. Okay. <laughs> um, at what point did you feel, you know, personally comfortable yourself going back to the movies? Well, let me see what. We actually went to the movies. We saw Loop on the Third. The first was at, at a movie theater, and that was like early 2020, maybe late 2019. And then we saw Godzilla versus Kong in the theaters a few times. Um, one, uh, my friend Dell organized a screening for us, and then the Balboa organized a, th- a free screening for us on a. Uh, Sunday night, so we saw it there. Was that yeah. a Del Martinez? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Del. Champagne yeah. Martinez. Yeah, and um, God, what else? I thought there was like one other movie I saw during the pandemic. I didn't really feel that bad. I mean, as long as I'm not sitting on somebody's lap or you know next <laughs> to somebody, it, it seems okay. Um, and like I say, you know. In May, we had to do the social distancing thing, but uh, but yeah, I mean, 
I think Godzilla versus Kong dragged a lot of us out to the theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I saw it, I I saw I saw it kind of late. Like it'd probably been out for two or three weeks. I'd already seen it at home, but um, oh. but yeah, that was the first thing that I saw. And yeah, I've been back a few times since. The first time, the the first time was a little weird because you you know you don't really know what to expect. You don't know how many people are going to be there, but um, you know. Well, we'll see. With Dell, it was a private screening. Yep, I remember him. Like a dozen of us or fifteen of us or something, and uh, you know we rented out the theater. And then at the at the Balboa, Adam put it on just for us Bay Area film events, gents. And uh, so again, it was very limited how many people were in there and we all knew each other so it was no big deal um yeah mm-hmm. yeah i mean pretty much you know we're all vaccinated at this point so um i'm not that paranoid about it yeah so yeah you know, you gotta at some point you gotta get out and live a little um so i want to go back to godzilla fest this year you kind of mentioned the two weekends um was there anything specific that drove that that business decision to have two different showings? And also, uh, we have everything dedicated to Kong. Was there anything specific that said, "Hey, we got to make sure we do a bunch of Kongs"? That just Linda Miller, because she's going to come out there, I'm assuming. But just kind of curious how that developed. Well, Adam, who owns the theater, he wanted to do two weekends, so I said, "Okay." Um, it was pretty much easy as that. You know, we get a good crowd. And I think he's you know looking to maximize everything and you know you have to when you're basically renting you know a dozen movies to show over the, over the weekend you you got to get a good crowd out there but uh yeah the first one i had been talking to linda miller for a while about coming out to one of our shows and she was all enthusiastic and all but yeah we kept getting pushed back with the pandemic and everything else and so i told her okay this one we're gonna do it and we figured well we got a show King Kong vs. Godzilla, we got to show um, King Kong Escapes. Got to go show the green slime, which is pretty rare to see that on the big screen. Yeah, yep. But then it's like, okay, what else do we show? And I'm like, well, the last couple Godzilla Fests, we were pretty heavy in the show of stuff just because it suddenly became available and we're like, oh, right, I always want to show this and this and that and that and this. And so we got them all in. But uh, I said, well, you know, let's, let's show some of the newer films. At these two shows, which is why we kind of split it, hey, say at the first one and, and Millennium at the second one. And uh, yeah, we just kind of came up with the idea well, as long as we're showing a couple Kong films, let's do King Kong Crashes Godzilla Fest. And because like I say, I was, I've been wanting to see the 76 Kong on big screen since 76. So um, that was that was a fun one to, to schedule. And of course, it's always fun to show uh, the 1933 Kong. We did a uh, premiere of um, Long Live the King, which was Frank Dietz's documentary on King Kong. Mm, yeah. And uh, we did like the worldwide premiere at a theater in San Leandro. And uh, we, sh- we paired that up with the 1933 Kong, and that was a lot of fun. In fact, just like a week before we did that, um, God, what was it? It was the, uh, one of the wineries came out with uh, King Kong Cabernet. So we ran around buying all these bottles of King Kong Cabernet, and we ended up like giving them to all the guests and everything. Because Frank brought up, you know, everyone, bunch of people that had 
to do with the movie, whether they were producing whatever, you know. And uh, Dana Gould came up and everybody else. And, uh, yeah, we gave them all King Kong Cabernet. So they watched their movie, and then during 1933 Kong, they were all up in the green room drinking all the wine. <laughs> it, was, it was a fun night. But, yeah, so King Kong 1933, always always a fun movie to show on the big screen. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, was, I saw it once many years ago. Um, and then I was planning on going when they were showing it again last year, but then like the day, <laughs> I, I feel like it must have been like the day that they started those screenings or like within days, everything closed. And I was like, I don't know if I want to go to a movie theater right now. And I don't even know if the screening around me even ended up happening. I I have no idea. Yeah, I was going to do the same thing. We had some local showings of it and I've never seen it on the big screen. Uh, and then the pandemic hit and I couldn't go. Um, I am curious, Bob, like when you're doing a festival like this, especially for this year, were there any films you wanted to show but for whatever reason didn't make the cut? Um, well, wanted to show Bailante, mm -hmm. but uh, there's something going on, I think, with Miramax or whatever. It was sold and bought up, and the rights are just all kind of sticky right now, so we weren't able to show that. And, um, you know, like I said, King Kong lives. You know. Yeah. Say what I would you love to see King it. Kong Lives in theaters. <laughs> I'm a King Kong Lives apologist, so I would totally go to see King Kong Lives. Oh, you know, we're going to show a bunch of Kong movies, should show that, but like I say, it's just not available anywhere. And the best copy I've ever seen lately is, you know, a really bad bootleg. So Yeah. I don't someone's even know someone's got it. I don't I don't need, I don't know like how good any elements for it are. I have heard rumblings from reliable people about a potential Blu-ray. So we'll see. Man. Well, Overdue. We'll Long overdue. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much, you know, we've, we've got so many movies that we're showing, we're pretty much able to fit all the ones we want to see in. Um, and usually, like, all, like, last Godzilla Fest, we showed Godzilla's Revenge. And I'm like, man, I've never seen that on the big screen. So usually I don't get to see any of the movies because I'm running around too busy. But I'm like, all right, I'm putting one hour and nine minutes aside to go in the theater and watch Godzilla's Revenge. But this time around, these I think I've seen all these in the theater, so <laughs> I don't have to worry. Oh, Green Slime, I, I think I saw it back when it first came out in a screening. But um, yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time. So that's probably the one I'll put time aside to go look at this time. Mm. Oh, you know the other one at the last Godzilla Fest that I had that I actually sat and watched was uh, X from Outer Space. Ah, yeah. We get a really nice print of that, and uh, I'm like, oh, I gotta go in. I gotta watch this one. That's still through Janus Films, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, one of our artist vendors, uh, Lenny Romero. Yep. He uh, had never seen it, <laughs> and I'm like, man. It's a Nick, it's a Nick wild and ride. Gaz and I, Gaz and I, just like dragged him in the theater and sat him down. Like, you got to watch this. I go, you're gonna be drawing Gulala tomorrow. I, I guarantee it. <laughs> um, no, he had it. He loved it. Uh, are are the Heisei and Millennium films? Are those still with uh, Sony? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, yeah, you know. Usually you see things like this and it's like, okay, you know, uh, you license a 
bunch of stuff from like one studio. But here, here you have uh, Toho, Sony, Warner Brothers, Universal. Like you're pretty much working with like <laughs> it seems like everybody. Well, they Paramount, had to do this. right? Is Paramount well, for seventy six? They had to do the same thing with uh, with the Criterion Show a set. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, well, Keith and I went down to Century City to see the premiere of Shin Godzilla when that came out. And the next morning, we had a meeting at Toho's LA office with their reps. And they were really, really, really jealous of James Bond and Gamera. <laughs> because both of them had all their movies in one box yep. set. Yep. They couldn't do that. And they're like, well, <laughs> as the rights returned to Toho, they were filtering them over to Janus and in turn to Criterion. And, you know, their their big goal was to have one big box set with all the Godzilla movies in it. I guess as far as they got was the show of stuff. But, but yeah, they had to get, basically, because King Kong vs. Godzilla is owned in perpetuity by Universal. Mm-hmm. Uh, their, their rights are never going to expire. So they had to basically make a deal with Universal to be able to include that on the set. In fact, that's why the... Uh, subtitled Japanese version of King Kong vs. Godzilla is on the extra bonus disc and not on like disc 2 or 3 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, or 2, I guess. Because uh, it was like they were negotiating up like right up to the last minute and the other discs were already done and they just had to put it on the bonus disc. But, um, but yeah, and then there were still some. I think Mill Creek owned a couple and uh, uh, was it Kraken, I think, owned one or two. yeah. Yeah, but that's I'm, also, I, I, also you don't have the dubs on some of them. Yeah, Sea Monster and Gigan are the two that are like the most are like the weirdest. And I guess Hedera doesn't have the international dub because those yeah, well, were they, all Kraken releases. They go to Kraken and they say, "Okay, you know, let us let us lease these movies to show them." And they're like, "Well, if you lease a movie, then our discs are going to be obsolete <laughs> unless we keep the dubs." Yeah. So that's why the devs never made it on there. Yeah. And it's really, it's really too bad because like, the Gamera set, everything's on there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's yeah. stellar. And and the new Dimagine set is great too. Oh, yeah, I just got that. But I've been watching Hitchcock movies all week, so I haven't had a chance to watch that one yet. But um, yeah, I mean, just the Criterion thing because trying to get it through to Toho that look, if you're going to release a box set of all the films or all the show of films or whatever, everything's got to be on there. Mm-hmm. Or else, I've got that, I've got my Kraken discs, I have my old Scimitar discs, because those have certain dubs <laughs> on them. I've got, yep. you know, yeah. You've got three, four, five versions of every movie, just to, so you have all the different uh, different dubs or edits or whatever. And Yeah, yeah it's, not, now it's like I have the Criterion set, but I, I, I'm i still holding on to the classic media set because the commentaries, the bonus stuff, the dubs. Yeah, and then it's yeah, like yeah. I still have a couple of the old Sony discs because I, I really like the Gigan dub and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, that that it, it didn't solve that problem <laughs> at all. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And, yeah, it's tough. It's okay, and then... How long until I have to invest in a 4K set? Right. Yeah. And that's that's the big the big one. Am I yeah. still gonna have to keep these others? You know. <laughs> Toho is very slowly <laughs> getting all the Godzilla very, movies, very you know, up to <laughs> 4K. But I I mean I feel like they 
They've done like four or five at this point, and I feel like I've been hearing about them doing that for <laughs> ever now. So, you well, know, you know, you know what is absolutely positively beautiful is the Waxworks Godzilla Showa LP set. Oh yeah, I've yep. seen pictures of that. That is, oh. it actually uh, looks like it's. It, you know, you asked about the pandemic. It's like early in the pandemic. I was working this one job, and they told us, oh, we're going to close down for like two weeks, and then everything will blow over, and we'll open up, everything will be great. A year later, I still wasn't working. <laughs> and yeah. uh, luckily, I, I ordered the Waxworks set when I still had money. It's and, one of those uh, things that's absurdly expensive, but then when you look at it, you're like, this actually might be worth <laughs> what they're asking. Well, it's like $450, but you figure, okay, they sell out of this thing, then how much is it going to go for? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Four yeah. times that. <laughs> so, I figured, you know, and I love vinyl. And uh, I just figured, well, you know. And I had Waxworks uh, Night of Living Dead 2LP set, and that sounded great. Loved it. So I'm like, man, if they do half the job on this that they did on Night of Living Dead, it's going to be great. And uh, I got it, and I listened. To, I went through the whole thing. Sounds great. Although my uh, my Eber, a horror of the deep, had a skip on side one and a skip on side two. The old record thing where it like comes to one note, and just a boom, and yep. replays it over and over and over until you kick the needle over. But but they were great. I, I like emailed them, and I got an email literally ten minutes later saying, "Can you send us a video of the record skipping?" And we'll send you a replacement. And I took video of my phone, sent it to him, and uh, I just got my replacement disc today. So nice, oh, awesome. Yeah. Hopefully, there's no skips on this one. <laughs> That'll be okay. But yeah. uh, but it was funny because I said, "Here, you know, take this, but let me finish the other discs first to make sure there's no more skips." But there was, there wasn't. But um, so now I've got this extra Ebera Horror of the Deep on red vinyl. That uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll tack it to the wall or <laughs> make an end table out of it or something. Are you going to have uh, vendors this year again? I got oh, oh, yeah. We've got uh, Kevin D'Antonio there. He goes by Kong's Cave of Collectibles. And he always has the cool X Plus and Bandai and everything else. Um, we have James Osborne, Vinyl Kaiju Legion. And he yep. always has some of the cooler, older stuff. Hard to get stuff. And I always drop money on these guys. You know, it's like, man, I, I shouldn't, but <laughs> I go around, oh, let me get this from this table and that from that table. And then we've got our artists, and uh, we kind of have some doubling up on tables because we've got, we've got Lenny Romero. We've got uh, Nick Chev. We've got Nick Pino. So we've got, like, Nick 1 and Nick 2. We've got Gaz Gretzky. We've got uh Larry Quatch. So there's like five artists this time. And uh yeah I gotta say the thing about Lenny is he entered our Godzilla art contest way back maybe like uh five, six years ago and won our contest. And he was just a kid doing pencil drawings. And then when he won that, he started doing more, and then he started getting tables at cons, and now, now he's like all over the place. Mm. <laughs> so we kind of we say we created him. 
Um, we know Nick pretty well. He's a listener of the podcast. And yeah, he's, Chef, he's, he's a friend, yeah. Mm-hmm. Shout right, out no, to Nick. Anyway. <laughs> you know, these guys are all great. Uh, yeah. guess. And they all have different styles, which is cool. Mm-hmm. So you can come up and you can't be like, oh, I'll buy one from this guy and I, I'm kind of covered. It's like, you know, Lenny's got his photorealistic you know, pen and ink and pencil art. And then Gaz is kind of more uh, kind of comic art. And Gaz Gretzky also designed our T-shirt for this show. So we do have a Godzilla Fest T-shirt that we'll be selling at both shows. All right. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, they all you know, Nick's art is uh, is amazing as well. You know, you got me thinking now. Like after all these movies, like the '90s and 2000s stuff. Like once they go back to Toho, like I don't like what what's gonna like. I I think so, a couple of the Sony Blu-rays are out of print already. Although yeah, they well, might, I mean that, I, I, they might still be on DVD, but. I mean, I'm sure they're waiting to do the next set. You know, yeah. who knows if they do an all-inclusive set or if the next next set will be Heisei Films and then they'll do a Millennium set or you know, who knows. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what Criterion would want to do. Uh, like, I I don't know. I feel like the Showa movies just had so much more of like a pop culture impact globally because like the '90s and 2000s stuff largely was like straight to video here. Nobody really saw them <laughs> you know whereas oh. the other the other ones were really kind of everywhere you know the 60s and well, you 70s. know it's like everybody discovered godzilla you know in a different era depending on their generation and so for some the 80s that's what they grew up with yep. yeah the not 80s 90s films it's interesting and- now seeing how many uh how many people like their introduction to Godzilla is the 98 one. And now those people like are buying all the 98 Godzilla stuff on eBay or at G fest or whatever. And it's like, you want to feel like that makes uh, me feel old. <laughs> more, more power to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I've got like, uh, the Taco Bell dog that says, you know, <laughs> I need a bigger box. And, uh, Oh no, he's just right here. Lizard, lizard, lizard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still have got the cups. Uh, was it the t- the cups? Yeah, yeah I, I, guess. I have all the, t- the cups, cups from Taco cups. Bell. That's that's pretty much the extent of my uh, my '98 collecting. Yeah. I had the mask, the big rubber mask, and I ended up selling that off. And then I had the big was it was it Playmate or Trendmasters, whatever it was, Trendmasters, I think. Yeah, the the big one that was like two foot long. That's a, foot that long. Was, that was a nice. That was pretty figure, cool, yeah. but I just you know, I got. I got only so much space, and do I want it taken up by this? <laughs> so I ended up selling that. Uh, you, you can probably get a pretty penny for that now. Yeah, you know, I do have my regrets. I sold off all my Shogun Warriors, including Godzilla and Rodan. Yeah, I went through but- a phase where I sold off a bunch of my childhood stuff, and I'm just like, I'm stupidly sentimental about things, so I'm like, why why, <laughs> why did remember, I do that? Remember all the Godaiken robots? Yeah. I had all those sold them. Yeah, that, those are those are worth some money now. <laughs> well, I got big bucks for Tetsujin Twenty Eight, but where are those big bucks now? Probably absorbed into all the shelves I'm looking at around my monster garage. But um, 
Yeah, it's weird. God, the Godzilla. God's. I feel like Godzilla is always going to be in the same situation that like hammered horror movies are, where it's like it's going to be everywhere. <laughs> like you know, to get all the Hammer movies, you need to get like six different box sets, and oh, then like I'm- like a couple individual releases by some like other like like i guess like lower tier label and like it's just never gonna be all in one thing well i think toho's kind of lucky that the only godzilla film that is owned forever and ever is king Kong versus godzilla at universal yeah sony who bought the columbia library they've got mothra h-man and battle in outer space forever and ever and ever yeah so that's not going to affect a Godzilla box, but you know, if right. they want to do a kaiju set, then they'd have to deal with them for Mothra. But um, all right, well, well, uh, before we wrap up, I mean, um, I want to give you a chance to plug your own podcast, Planet Eight. You know, you've been doing that for a few years now. For those unfamiliar, uh, you know, how how would you describe it? What can people expect if they if they jump from our feed into yours? Well, you know, I went into, it's funny because we used to have monster club lunches. Those kind of got derailed by the pandemic. But, you know, a bunch of us would get together and have lunch and just talk about sci-fi and monsters and comics and whatever. And uh, I was thinking, man, it would be cool to do a podcast because there's so much information bubbling in the minds of these people around this table. And a lot of them were like, ah, I don't know if we can commit to, you know, that, something like that. So Larry, who uh, Larry Kakos, who was part of the Monster Club lunch, he was he wanted to take it up, and then he brought in his friend Karen Walker, and so Karen and Larry and I said, well, let's do it. And I thought it was a cool thing because you know nothing against like today, but usually I go on a podcast and I'm talking Godzilla or Ultraman or whatever. I figure, oh, here's a here's a chance for me to talk about Universal monsters or. 2001 a space odyssey or maybe some star trek films or you know marvel films or whatever so um like i said we just just released our 80th episode which was the uh, primal and star trek or star wars bad batch one of these things is not like the other episode and then uh you know we've done twilight zone and outer limits and coal shack the night stalker and uh, we've done a lot of the newer films. We're going to do Shang-Chi, I think, uh, coming up. And uh, we decided to start doing some actors and directors. So our first one coming up will be uh, Alfred Hitchcock. That'll be the uh, 22nd of this month. So, uh, yeah, and, you know, sometimes, you know, you get caught in a subject where it's like, I don't know, or I haven't seen these movies in a long time, so... It's a good excuse to go back and revisit. Like right now, I'm revisiting all the Hitchcock movies, and yeah, I'm you know my fiance Debbie and I are having a blast with that. But uh, yeah, so Planet Eight, so it's at uh, planet8podcast.com or any platform where you get your podcasts, and uh, comes out on the eighth and the twenty second of each month. So I know if you go to uh, planet8podcast.com, we've got. All the episodes go all the way back to number one, which I think was uh, was the Avengers Infinity War. That was like our first episode. <laughs> that feels so long ago. <laughs> yeah, no. It that feels like 12 years like, ago. We try to keep these things to like an hour, but sometimes we trickle over. 
but we had, I think it was like our uh, 50th episode or whatever it was. We decided to do Spider-Man. And we had Gary Conway, the Spider-Man uh, writer. He was a guest. And then we had Tim Aldred, who had done a lot of the Spider-Man cartoons for Disney XD and all that. So uh, between those two interviews and our babbling and everything, it was like a three-hour episode. So that one you have to kind of listen to in chunks. Hey, we we've we've done that before. There's no shame. <laughs> it's funny. I like thinking like because every time we have an episode that goes that long, I'm like, uh, are people gonna listen to this? And then like I always end up googling like, you know, preferred podcast links, and I get into like Reddit threads, and there's some people that like they want their podcast like four or five hours like so there's there's a market for for long podcasts well it's, it's funny and you never know what's going to click because you know we're not like a podcast that does godzilla every week or right. james Bond yeah every week or we do all these different subjects so you know some episodes a lot of people listen to some not so many you know we did lovecraft country i think that didn't get too many hits but um I've been doing YouTube versions where I just put graphics over mm -hmm. the audio. We were and just then, talking about doing that <laughs> before you got on to. But, but then I, uh, well, I've seen people just put a graphic over it so they can put it on YouTube. But I do an open and I have, you know, video graphics, everything else in there. Try to make it interesting, interesting enough that people will check it out. But uh, that's the one that I can, like, immediately look at the numbers on. And, you know, it's like, yeah, we may get anywhere from 50 to 200, 300 people. Mm -hmm. Outer Limits just went over 11,000. Mm -hmm. And it's like, holy crap. Twilight Zone didn't even get that much. Yeah, that, that's happened to us. We're like, we'll just put out like a random episode and like for no reason it like skyrockets. And then we're back to like <laughs> 300 yeah. downloads yeah, or whatever. Yeah, are all those listeners? Right? Yeah. Or come back or whatever. Yeah, uh, are you doing have, like the full we have like ninety subscribers on YouTube and eleven thousand listens on uh, Outer Limits? It's like, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's like, where are you guys <laughs> normally? <laughs> are you doing like the full Hitchcock like deep dive? Like, are you going like into the silent era stuff and all that? Or are you I just doing like? I, I don't know the hits. We didn't say, hey, what, let's watch this movie and that movie, or let's talk about this one or that one. It says, let's do Hitchcock. So Larry's watching whatever movies he's watching. Karen's watching whatever movies she's watching. Debbie and I are watching whatever movies we're watching. And yeah, I tried to watch some of the ones that like I hadn't seen in a long time. Yeah. Uh, you know, like we just watched Vertigo last night. Uh, we watched like To Catch a Thief and uh, Rope. Rope is amazing. Rope is underrated, yeah. But yeah, rope is just like one camera, panning, tilting, zooming back forth, you know. But uh, yeah, they're all all the movies are. I don't think there's one that I never enjoyed. But uh, we will probably watch the birds on Friday, just because, or Saturday maybe, because we're thinking of uh, going up to Bodega Bay and scouting out all the locations for that one. Okay. So. That's, that's actually that, that's a cool idea. Just being like, watch whatever, and we'll we'll, we'll come and exchange notes, kind of thing. Oh well, yeah, because the, the whole idea behind the podcast and it was kind of Larry's idea was uh, 
it's just three people sitting around like we're sitting around having lunch and talking. Yeah. So it's like this is the perfect example because it's like once one person will say, "Hey, how about strangers on a train?" Oh yeah, or, or how about you know rear window and you know just kind of throwing stuff out, and maybe we all saw them, maybe maybe we all didn't. It's funny though if you want to listen to the last one with Primal and, and Bad Batch, and I watched like the first episode of Bad Batch and then like two and three, and that's all I could take. <laughs> And so I kind of have my little say about Bad Batch at the beginning of that segment. And then I don't say anything until the end. <laughs> it's like, oh, you guys talk. I got nothing to say. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I, I mean, podcast, Godzilla Fest, you got stuff going on. Is there any other, are, do you have any other projects or anything coming up that, that you'd like to plug? Well, the younger people probably won't appreciate this, but. Uh, we just lost Fred Ladd last week. I saw the Sci-Fi Japan yeah. obit for that. I don't know. Was I that posted today? For Fred. It was posted today. We've been sitting on it for a week because his daughter was supposed to okay everything. Mm -hmm. and in the meantime, uh, Neptune Society leaked something and uh, Anime Network jumped on it. And So I told her, hey, it's out. we got to release this thing now. But um, all right, well, I think yeah, yeah. Take the floor for a minute. Uh, tell uh, the youngsters out there who who Fred is, and uh, you know, Fred is like the father of anime in America. He was the first one to bring stuff over. He did Astro Boy, Kim of the White Lion, Gigantor. In fact, when Osamu Tezuka was going to do, he had just finished Astro Boy. He was going to do Kimba. Well, for him, Jungle Emperor. And it was going to be another black and white series. And Fred Ladd said, no, 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 no. If I got to sell this thing and I got to sell it to NBC or whatever, it's got to be in color because everything here is going color now. And so Tesco said, okay. And that was the first Japanese color cartoon. And that was all because Fred Ladd told him, hey, this thing's got to be in color. But Fred also, he did a lot of stuff over the years. You know, he did colorization. He colorized like the old Popeyes and Betty Boops and some of the black and white Looney Tunes stuff. Um, he did a new Gigantor, which was the 1980 Tetsujin 28 series, which I think just came out on Blu-ray recently. Um, God, what else did he do? He did a version of Gachaman called G-Force. Uh, I, re I remember G-Force playing uh, on Cartoon Network when I was a That's kid. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he also did. You know, he wrote scripts for everything from you know Sailor Moon to you know Pokemon to whatever. You know, he he wrote a lot of uh, scripts for those, and yeah, he's just had his hands in quite a few things over the years. But definitely best known for ushering Japanese animation into America with with the three uh, Astro Boy, Kimba. And Gigantor. Well, well, doing that all the way into working on Pokemon, I mean, that's several generations of anime oh, right yeah. there. You know that that's pretty prolific. I, I'm. I also saw in the uh, the obituary I, what I didn't know um, is he did the um, uh, the American version of uh, Journey to the Center of Time. Yes, yes. I for some reason the title is the the Carl Zeman the movie. Carl yeah. Zeman. Yeah, I mean, he, he uh, basically the Carl, the original Carl Zeman film 
kind of played like a documentary. It wasn't a lot of uh, action. And, and Fred Lab basically did what they did with Raymond Burr and Godzilla King of the Monsters. He he basically shot new footage with extras and, you know, dressed in the same clothes or whatever. You see their backs or whatever. And did a total re-edit and then dubbed it. And uh, But Carl's, yeah, that movie is just amazing. Just all the different special effects that mm-hmm. he used from yeah. moving cardboard cutouts to animated dinosaurs to puppets to everything else. Did you get a chance to pick up the Criterion set with, with that stuff? With Carl Zeman? No, yeah, I yeah. didn't. But, That's um, one I I've meant to get in this last sale, and it just completely skipped my mind. That, al- that always happens. There's always something. I'm like, next sale, I'm going to get this, and then I just forget. Well, you know, yeah, I went to uh, Barnes & Noble during the Criterion sale. And I was flipping through discs, and I didn't really see anything. I, if I saw that, I probably would have picked it up. Yeah. So I'll have to keep that in mind. I think the next 50% off sale there is, like, November. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. so That's a possibility. So, so, okay, so, yeah, Fred Ladd. I mean, it's always, um, you know, the it's awful when, you know, someone like that passes away. But I do think, especially for younger folks... It also it that does create an opportunity for people to learn about somebody like, you know, that's someone that a lot of people, the younger generation might not know about, and, you know, yeah, I mean that that's a prolific name that, you know, well that was the whole era. I mean, Peter Fernandez worked with him on those cartoons and then went on to, to do Titra Productions and, God, he dubbed Speed Racer and Marine Boy and Ultraman and yeah. a lot of the movies. Yeah, it, that, film. that leaks into, yeah, like you said, Ultraman and the the t- Titra stuff. So, um, spaghetti westerns. Yeah. So yeah, no, I I encourage younger people to to, you know, edu educate themselves and and take a look at yeah. that because. Um, and it's it's amazing some of the voices that'll that'll pop up in these things. Oh, I know. Paul Freeze. Yeah, you know, he was big in trailers and radio, and then. He dubbed a bunch of the films. You know, George Takei. Oh, yeah. For, uh, Gigantus the Fire Monster and Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster. Yeah. And Rodan, too. I think Takei was... Rodan, yeah. yeah. Key Luke. Yeah. And, uh, and even, like, Mysterians. The head Mysterian was uh, Ted Knight. And even in uh, Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster, Akira Takarada was dubbed by Hal Linden. Barney Miller himself. So yeah, you get voices cropping up everywhere. So uh, I guess uh, so. Where can people find you and and your endeavors on on the socials? Um, I'm hiding right now. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram and Twitter and all that. Pretty much, big Kniff. Back when the uh, internet first started out, I was trying to figure out a internet name. I came up with Big Kniff, which is basically Kniff is like Fink spelled backwards. And that was a term used by the Ghoul and Goulardi. So I took Big Kniff. So pretty much, I've stuck with that. So a lot of the things on my personal stuff, you can find, you know, Big Kniff, B I G K N I F. Uh, Twitter, I think I'm on there as Bob from Planet 8 because I usually just plug Planet 8 on there. I don't think about too many things to tweet. 
Um, I'm not on TikTok. I'm not on any of the others. But <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, what was I going to say? Um, 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 uh, I don't know what I was going to say. It was probably really cool, though. <laughs> Planet, 8, Planet 8, we have a Facebook page. And uh, Bay Area Film Events, we had a Facebook page. We had like 800 and something people on there. And then Facebook being Facebook said, oh, there's maintenance on your page. Try again later. And it's been that way for almost a year now. <laughs> so uh, we've lost all that. So I started got a group page, like uh, facebook.com slash group slash Bay Area Film Events. But... Um, yeah, so we got, you know. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Sci Fi Japan's still kicking with a, a fancy oh, new. Uh... We've got like over 5K on Facebook. And yeah. Uh, Keith just overhauled the entire site. Not himself, he hired some people to do it. But it had a total, complete facelift. And I think they're still working out some of the bugs, but uh, it looks looks a whole lot cleaner now. And, you know. I pitch in here and there. Keith is really the driving force. He's the one that keeps that thing going. Awesome. Well, um, I think that that about wraps us up. Um, Matt, was there anything that uh, you wanted to throw in at the last minute? No, I just appreciate you coming on, and it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, oh, and um, oh, we we once again Balboa Theater. Uh, Friday, August 20th through 22nd is King Kong Crashes Godzilla Fest, Legendary Godzilla Fest, Friday the 27th, and uh, that lasts through Sunday the 29th. So if you're in the area, um, I mean, it would be a no-brainer to to check that out. It would Um, probably behoove you to get your tickets early. Uh, we'll We'll try to have tickets at the door, probably for individual movies, but we do have weekend passes. And uh, just go to bayareafilmevents.com slash GodzillaFest. And all the information's there and the link to tickets and everything else. All right. Well, uh, Bob, it's always a pleasure. And, um, you know, uh, yeah, thanks for stopping by. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll be in touch, I'm sure. Oh, no, definitely. Right. Thanks a lot. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.